This is the Crit RPG Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Lit RPG, Progression Fantasy, and Royal Road. Welcome to the Crit RPG Podcast, the only podcast recorded in a rush because I need to go to physio. With me today is Miles English, author of a bog-standard isekai. So, hi Miles, how you doing? You know, I'm doing really good. Exciting times. It's keeping busy, but you know, in a good way, I guess. So, yeah, and happy to be here, man. Yeah. I mean, before the show started, we already spoke about the fact that you spent your vacation in a state of misery. So, that's nice. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. Just because we can't let anyone miss this, I just said that everybody over there is extremely nice, and it's because misery loves company. So, absolutely and, uh... <laughs> nice. That, that still cracks me up. <laughs> but yeah, you said you're like you were going to the Ozarks and mm -hmm. having a good time. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah, Kansas City, the Ozarks, Branson. So yeah, it was a ton of fun. Uh, not the, the usual vacation for me, so it was really cool to do something new, just wander around for a while. As a European, there are only a few things that really make me wander about the United States. So the first thing is, why is there no East Virginia? Okay. The other one is why is Kansas City in Missouri? Oh, you know what? I was also really wondering that because that was bothering me a lot. Kansas City came first. Yeah, they named it after the same Kansas. Kansas City was the original Kansas. And then when they, you know, Kansas, the state was incorporated as a state, they liked the name so much they just took it also kansas city kind of overlaps the border of uh. each of them and so like 90 percent of it is in missouri but a little bit is in kansas so yeah, yeah. It turns out kansas city is the original kansas so yeah very proud of that point apparently <laughs> og kansas okay absolutely cool mm -hmm. huh yeah the third thing i really wonder about is why would you name an entire swath of land after the fact that your queen has never had sex. <laughs> you know, and like, she was never actually our queen, though, too. So, like... <laughs> she was when it was named. Oh, was she? oh yeah, I guess, I guess so. So, yeah. Yeah, we were really just morally upright back then, I guess. And, and we were really proud of that fact, it sounds like. I have no idea. I can't tell you that one. And very imaginative, too. I flew into the and I looked out the window, and I was like, that's a very long island. And people were like, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, like, so. look, I get it, Kay, because naming things is really hard. I have to come up with, like, seven different names a day just in writing, and <laughs> it's not easy, you know? And if I just is like, it's a dark forest, so I named it Dark Forest, my readers will not accept it. And I'm like, but that's how it works, man. That's the real world. The Long River is going to be called Long River, okay? We're going to, like... <laughs> that's more imaginative. Most places just call it river in, in a different language, and that's enough. Right? So, I mean, in Germany, we have the Black Forest, which is the Schwarzwald, so... Yeah, and that's respectable. You know, I like... Yeah. I mean, at least we, draw, we weren't going Dark Forest, because all forests are dark. It, it was the Black Forest. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so many interesting names... In Germany too. So, one thing that I found super interesting was Battle Creek in Michigan. 
Okay. Battle Creek is named Battle Creek because a band of prospectors looked at a band of Native Americans and one shot was fired and no one got hurt and then they all disbanded and went somewhere else. That's the Battle of Battle Creek. Our coolest battles end like that. <laughs> Nobody got hurt, and then we just went at home and told stories about it that just got bigger and bigger until, you know, you've named your city Battle Creek. And, I mean, it takes some balls to yeah. go and say, I'm going to settle in Battle Creek. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's a horrible little town in Nevada that we drive through sometimes called Battle Mountain, and it's there's like <laughs> so nothing. If you're from there, I mean what I'm saying. It's horrible. It's a horrible town. Okay, no apologies. But <laughs> no, I only think that because my car broke down there once, and it was just a terrible experience. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just like, but you've got a cool name. Okay, I would be tempted to move here just for that name. But like, who? No idea what yeah. model they're talking about, but. I think it's also better than, for example, a town called Tristram. Mm -hmm. I think Total Blisket, may God have mercy on his soul, he and a friend of his once had this whole bit about the fact that why would you ever move to a city called Tristram? Or if you found it, why would you found a new Tristram? It makes no <laughs> sense. Obviously, you shouldn't even build a cathedral in it because you're going to get screwed over. Yeah, I mean, after what happened to the old Tristram, it's like, let's just call it something else this time. <laughs> Seems like there's a history, you know, it's like if you were going to, like, call your city New Salem. And people do, though, and I don't understand it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is that really, like, a history you want to bring down on yourself? I don't I don't get it. Uh, shit was fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least put their name on the map. How many other, like, random tiny towns in, what is it, Minnesota or whatever could you name? So. But you were saying you were naming your cities very literally, or? Yeah, I mean, in I still kind of do this, but in my first novel that I haven't shown to anyone yet, because... <laughs> Uh, I named everything exactly what it was. Like the town was called Bleak's Town, and you know, because it was like a very bleak place, and, and just you know, tons of stuff like that. And they're just like, you can't do that. So, oh wow, yeah. okay. So you already mentioned you published a novel already. Uh, yeah, I did. So Bog Standard Isekai is my second like big project, I guess. I also have a series on Amazon, the In Another World series. The first mm -hmm. book is In Another World, I Must Defeat the Demon King. Oh. Yeah, and, and that is still ongoing, but I wanted to give Royal Road a try. I've been reading the platform for years, and I decided to, to give it a shot. But no, it's, yeah, it's definitely, definitely still one of my, one of my priorities. So you're coming in with a bit of an advantage. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I have a... I don't know if I'd say a, a big following, but I, I did have some readers on that that I think have, have crossed over into Royal Road. And obviously, like any, like, you know, clout or fame or whatever you want to call it, any traction I get on Bog Standard should, you know, help hold over to people that want to read other things that I've written and they can, you know, buy it on Amazon or Kindle Unlimited. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, hopefully they'll build on each other. But yeah. Is it the same genre then? 
It is. It's also lit RPG, but that one is an urban fantasy. So it's like it's instead of you know somebody from our world going into a lit RPG world, and that one it's somebody from a lit RPG world, a knight coming into Austin, Texas, and just tearing things up. It's oh uh, wow, yeah. It's one of these secret world of magic. So there is a system in our world. It's just nobody knows about it because the Illuminati controls it. And so, yeah, it's multiple viewpoint. And so there's his viewpoint of just not understanding the modern world, and then you know some a couple other characters' viewpoint of just not, not understanding him. And uh, yeah, they all fight. They all fight the corporate shadow government together. And uh, I think they're great. I don't regret writing them. I want to keep writing them, and I definitely check them out. But yeah, it's a very, very different tonally than uh, my bog standard, but it's also still that RPG, so definitely in the same genre. I'm not going to lie. That was a very good pitch. I love urban fantasy. I have seen some people write urban fantasy lit RPG, but combining it with the reverse isekai trope, that's not a bad thing, a trope. Um, yeah. I think it's a very cool thing. Yeah, and I mean, it's ton of fun to write because like, I just love the situation where you have you know the modern world and the medieval world clashing and, and maybe they both have things to learn from each other because it's like, you know, in the modern world, we've forgotten a lot of things about like dignity and honor and about, you know, mm-hmm. just, you know, and obviously the medieval world could, could learn a thing or two from us. And so like, I just love that intersection and what I really love is making silly jokes. So there's so much material you can have there from from that culture clash. So, yeah, so that one was, it was a bit of a risk, though. It was a very ambitious project. I'm throwing in everything, you know. I'm throwing in Dungeon Core. I'm throwing in, he'll go to fat his world and just do some, like, his, like, just typical lit rpg fantasy stuff they'll come back and destroy a bookstore (laughs) all sorts of like i just like threw in everything that i like and i think that works in a lot of ways but it also the more weird you get it the more niche your audience is the number one thing is lit rpg readers just really don't seem to like multiple viewpoints and so after that i'm like you know what i'm gonna keep going with this i still love it but let's do something a little more normal to give give people a wider entry point into my writing and so i'm like you know what my next project is just going to be a bog standard isekai it's going to do all the regular tropes but i'm just going to do them as good as i can and i'm going to justify them i'm going to bring in you know the cranky old mentor but i'll explain why he's cranky and when he acts that way he'll have a good reason you know it's all like i'm going to just do all the regular stuff and do it as excellently as I can and you know like obviously there's always still room for improvement but that was my goal for Isekai so yeah okay good this actually brings me to my next question sure tell me about your book tell me about a box that at Isekai yeah so I <laughs> that, that's it that's the introduction I was I, you know I'm like this is gonna be a bog standard Isekai it's gonna be all the stuff you know and love but hopefully in a way that'll still surprise you hopefully in a way that's still interesting and mm-hmm. that's where I got it so then I'm like let's give that title some in-world tie-in so he lives in a bog and it's a the setting so far and someday he'll move out of it but where it starts is he starts in this terrible dark forest and the towns in this forest are called the bogs and the certain bog that he lived is transported to is surrounded 
and by an undead army that comes through every night and tears everything down that's still standing up and there's corpses everywhere and he's the only survivor and now he's got to find a way to survive and it transfers from there pretty quickly into he finds civilization and it's a sort of slice of life fantasy as he slowly gains power and and there is a plot and we will get there and but it's a slow burn and <laughs> just having a ton of fun with it yeah But the setting really sounds like you wrote another urban fantasy because that's Berlin. That's Berlin? It's Berlin, Germany, yeah. Lots of Oh Berlin. Berlin. Yeah, Germany. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it yeah, it's sort of rural fantasies, maybe, because it's not in, like he's not in a really big city, he's in kind of a town. But uh, yeah, <laughs> now that you put at it, I he is back in civilization a little bit again, so yeah, it is a city that exists in real life that is absolutely berlin <laughs> yeah and no, i was joking about berlin like corpses lying everywhere we all clean them up every night <laughs> right yeah do you have to dodge the undead if you want to go somewhere at night is that why everything closes at 6 p.m or no that's labor laws but <laughs> okay. uh, i mean so i was friends with a game designer for a long time who worked at a big gaming company and we had this D, &D group and on the first session in January, he looks at me and he goes, I did not know that The Purge was based on real events until I lived through New Year's Eve in Berlin. <laughs> oh man, I can only imagine. Yeah, it was really crazy this year. But you said you have been a writer for a long time, yeah? Uh, yeah, a little. I mean, not a long time, but a little bit, sure. Okay, so... Um got any nuggets of wisdom to share any best advice you've ever gotten as a writer yeah i mean what really what really did it for me as a writer was just joining a, a really good critique group and and it's like almost hard advice to give because there are so many bad critique groups but like that's what made the difference is that we go in and we absolutely just tear each other to pieces and uh, you know like just just ranted each other almost sometimes and then mm -hmm. and we take that and we use it to make ourselves better and mm -hmm. you know like when i was first starting out obviously my writing was bad right and so i they, you know i really they really tore into it and that was extremely helpful you know because a lot of people try to sell their work before they've ever gotten their first honest critique and if your <laughs> first honest critique comes in the form of a one-star review that's actually warranted that's that's a really brutal place to be in right so it's like get that away get that over with in private you know <laughs> don't make that happen because it is going to happen eventually someone will point out why everything you've ever written is terrible right and so mm -hmm. like you know what just strip off that band-aid just find a critique group that's willing to tell you the truth and we're not mean to each other by any means but we are thorough so maybe the biggest nugget advice that I took from those is the thing that our number one rule is while someone else is critiquing your work, you just turn your mic off and you just listen. So you don't mm -hmm. need to defend yourself, but you also don't get to justify yourself because a lot of times when you're critiquing someone, they want to jump in and say, okay, no, you didn't get it. What actually happened here? But it's like, if you have to say that, that means you wrote it wrong. So the, the rule is if it's not in the text, It didn't happen. And so when you get that advice and you're tempted to jump in and say, oh, let me explain. Well, that means you did something wrong. So fix it, you know? So there's my biggest nugget of wisdom, I think, from that. 
<laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because a friend of mine, uh, Zuzified and I, mm-hmm. we have been tinkering with a concept for a spin-off of this podcast. And I think we're going to call it Direct Crit, where he and I basically go over user-submitted posts and discuss them live on air. And I th- the first feedback that we've gotten for that show format has been going pretty well. Oh, cool. I think you're right. The finding a way to give honest but still good critique is a skill. So not every critique group you can find is made equal. Some of them are too nice, Definitely. some of them are too harsh. So, Yeah, and th- yeah, it's finding that balance because like... Someone coming in and giving you a backpat is not helpful to you, you know. I mean, it's, for some people, that's what they want. And if that's what makes it fun for you, that's what motivates you. Like, you know what, I'm mm-hmm. not going to judge anyone. But it's not going to help you get better. And on the other side, it's like, if somebody just really hates your work and just really tears into it and has nothing good to say about it, that's also not helpful. This is obviously not your reader. And so you don't want to take advice from people who would never read your books in the first place. So you kind of have to find that mix. It's like, they've got to be your reader. They've got to fundamentally like the project, but then be able to point out things that could make it better, you know? One thing that I really don't get is I got my first 1.5 started the other week, right? Mm-hmm. And they have broken my cherry. And they waited until chapter 28 to give it. And I am just... My dude, if you're out there, if you're listening, either you thought you were very clever, but just clicking a random chapter and then giving a 0.5 star. If so, good job. I still don't understand why, but you do you you seem to get really far before you decided that it's unreadable right 1.5 is like is a bad review right (laughs) or you cared so much about a certain character that you were no no how dare you do that to them and that makes me feel very honored so thank you (laughs) however i would really appreciate it if you could maybe give me some written feedback so i can improve Mm -hmm. but yeah I'm a big proponent of the fact or of the idea that 0.5 to 1 star, but also 4.5 to 5 star requires you to write a written review. Because, yeah. I That's a good idea. I mean, it's, you know what, like, not everybody is going to like your story. And I fully understand that. And I'm, I almost welcome it because it's like, if nobody hates your story, that means it's like so blandly generic that it's not standing for everything. And so is that really something you want to go for? So like, you know know what, that's fine. Like if you don't like my story, I can accept that. It's not everyone has to like everything, but there is a thing that happens on Royal Road where somebody sees there's your story inch right above theirs and it's you know and there's that temptation to just go and hit five stars and now you're above them again you know and i Mm. think there is a certain amount of sour grapes driving the 0.5 star reviews um i yeah without going too much into it there's also different political beliefs mm -hmm. so i'm this show is apolitical but Mm -hmm. i have noticed a certain tendency that certain romance or romances may influence a certain tendency to give people a bad rating. Mm -hmm. 
And I've also seen the other way around. If someone just writes a very escapist fantasy with guns and guns and hoorah, which maybe then actively brushes, brushes aside some feelings, that also gets bad ratings. Oh yeah, totally. It's more like if anyone can tell what your politics are at all, at least in the United States, that means you've lost 50% of your audience because there's just very divisive right now. So Yeah. Well, let's hope it gets better. What's the book that you love and why is it awesome? Okay. So this is before shoutouts. This is Yeah, the... before shoutouts, just books that I love. And that is... I even thought about how I'd answer this question, and now it's too hard because there's so many that I really love. The... Take a second, I'm gonna get some water. Yeah, okay. A few moments later. All right, okay, so let me do a couple. So, Dungeon Crawler Carl is obvious, and I don't even want to say that. Dungeon Crawler Carl. Or... Crawler Carl, there's Beware of Chicken, and there is The Good Guys. Other than so, Beware of Chicken aside, those two are just very like epic battles, like insanely cool action scenes, and just like over the top, just like you know, smash em up type stories. And those are the stories that just really get my blood pumping they're the ones i put on at the gym just to go that extra set so i just yeah really admire those guys and those mm -hmm. are the books that crush my spirit right because i read those and i'm just like you know like it's montana is just like wading through a river of blood and just being so freaking cool and i'm just like dang it i'm never gonna be this good so but Maybe. yeah love those stories i mean so matt Dinneman, i think had four novels before dcc mm-hmm and he definitely took a while to learn his craft, and it definitely paid off. Oh, yeah, for so. sure. And I'm saying that with a, a little bit of facetiousness, but you know, <laughs> like the, that's just the feeling I get sometimes when I'm reeling something really good. Yeah. And then outside of Lit RPG, there's The Great Coats by Sebastian. Oh, crap. I can't remember his name. Just The Great Coats series by Sebastian something. Just that there's a choke on the first page that's so good that it just made me want to put the book down because I just knew that whatever came next couldn't be the, couldn't be any better. There's also Monster Hunter International. That was like my intro to urban fantasy and a lot of how super fun to read that book is became like why my In Another World series is the way it is. Just to match that feeling of like we're in our world but it's different because it's actually fun <laughs> we get to run around with guns shooting monsters and that just you know makes it so much better so that yeah you really asked cool. for one those are that's four or five but i i can relate uh i started writing an urban fantasy actually but a tr more mm -hmm. traditional one i still have it i may need to revise it and then maybe, maybe put it on railroad at some point but yeah i definitely get you like this is idea of man i want to write that too on the opposite mm -hmm. end of the spectrum, after you reach a certain level of skill and you're cracking open a new traditionally published novel mm -hmm. and you're looking at it, reading the first few lines and go, I can do better. That's oh, a yeah. cool moment. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
it's a necessary moment, right? I have my rules for writing and I, I wrote them for myself. I'm not going to proselytize them as everybody should do this. But one of my rules for writing is that you should have unparalleled conceit. You should be able to read the great masters that came before you, the, just the absolute legends, and you should be able to crack them open and you should be able to notice things that you could do better. And if, mm -hmm. you know, cause like, cause if, if you don't really believe that you have something to put out in the world, then it's, th th then you just can't write, you know, being able to write and to show it to people, you need to have a fundamental belief that it's worth showing to people that you actually do have something to say. And so, yeah, you, you need that. Yeah. I think it's Giman. He said, as a young writer, you need to have this absolute arrogance that you have something to tell that the entire world should hear but at the same time this fundamental humility of knowing that you can always do better i think that's a cool quote yeah yeah absolutely so it's and that's maybe another reason why we're all insane right because we have to be <laughs> just like inerably arrogant but at the same time, we have to be just in a state of abject humility because we have to understand that there's always more to learn. And there's more to learn from people that we might think are below us, right? Everybody mm -hmm. is like, I could write better than Twilight, but it's like, can you? Can you really? Because Twilight sold up 300 million copies. And so obviously there's something there. Can you find out what it is that's good in there? And can you pick that out without taking all the stuff you don't like with it so like you have to be humble enough to grow and arrogant enough to put your work out there anyways even though you know you're not perfect so yeah and that is a duality that makes us all insane i think <laughs> i would actually agree and i would try to formulate it a little bit differently sure because better and worse are very subjective terms mm-hmm a lot of people loved Twilight. And yeah, of course you can say, oh, this is bad, I don't like it. But that doesn't do anything because that closes the door for you. Like you said, Miles, Yeah. if you take something like this that a lot of people like, dissect it and find out why people love it. That's far more useful. Exactly, exactly. Not just in writing, but in life in general. You'll become a much easier person to talk to rather than someone who just goes about bashing what other people like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's, there's a certain instinct to just like anything you see that you don't understand, you just call it stupid. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and you got to kill that instinct in yourself to not just to learn how to write, but just to learn how to human, I guess. I mean, yeah, I don't want to get into that topic too much because sure. that's bonus material I have spoken about <laughs> with Maxime Durand for a long time. So if you're interested in that, dear listeners, you can actually go on Patreon and get a lot of bonus material from these podcasts. This is five bucks. You do you. Also, it would support me greatly and would cover my increasing costs of all the tools I need to keep this podcast alive. So I would really appreciate it. Okay. Well, I asked you for one book you love and you gave me like four. So now 
I'm going to reward you by allowing you to shout out some stuff. What do you want to shout out? Yeah. So my brother launched his book at the same time as me. We were, you know, kind of trying to build off each other. So definitely check out, it's called The Land of Broken Roads on Royal Road. It is also about a boy lost in a big dark forest and except that's where the similarities end. It's a, a little boy named Dirt who has lost his memories and he he befriends a giant wolf and he runs away from monsters and it is a hard book to describe but this is what I say this is a book about the beauty of childlike innocence and wonder and and play and it's also about the savagery of nature and the absolute brutality of the, you know the predators in the natural worlds and it is cute and innocent and fun and it is dark and terrifying and it is probably the most unique thing on royal road right now so definitely check it out huh okay very cool thank you okay all right <laughs> that is a recommendation i Shouting out your own brother. I've never had that before. I'm, I'm saying that with a lot of respect. It's really sure. nice. Yeah, I mean, and it, I owe a lot to him because he actually, like, when I say the writing group, like, is, is everything, he invited me to join his writing group that he had set up a few years prior to when I started. And so he had a lot of the kinks worked out. They had, they had through trial and error, found out what works in a writer's group and what didn't. And so that connected me to a lot of just extremely talented authors who really went out of their way to make my stuff the best they can so awesome yeah that sounds yeah it sounds pretty amazing mm -hmm. so miles i think with this we can come to an end for the official part of the episode all right great well it was great talking to you yeah thank you any more shout outs you want to do real quick yeah, shout out to Apocalypse Redux, a redo. He he does not need a shout out. He is extremely popular, but his book is awesome. I'm like his biggest fan, and he gave me a shout out on Royal Road just a few days ago, and it like it Ooh. just really made it take out. Yeah, that was like the celebrity endorsement, man. I'm still on Cloud Nine about it. So, yeah, it's an apocalypse story. I'm sure if you've gotten this far, you've read a million, and his is the best I've read. It's like all the cool guy with awesome power stuff that you want from an apocalypse story but he's also smart he also doesn't want the apocalypse to happen and he's taking intelligent steps to stop it so highly recommended yeah i prefer self-inserts so they, they can't be that's smart <laughs> yeah, yeah me too that's why is just an idiot <laughs> okay well thank you so much for being here i have a shout out for a little discord server called the council of the eternal hiatus who've been nice enough to send a few bucks my way. So I've been a part of that for a month now. And we have an official Crit RPG channel in there. So if you want to talk about the episodes, if you want to talk about authors or even suggest new authors, only rule, you can suggest yourself, then please do come by. The link is in the description below. Miles, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's been an absolute blast. Anytime, man. It was, it was super cool. And with that, I'm going to end the episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next Sunday. This episode has been brought to you by the Council of the Eternal Hiatus. If you're looking for a Discord server to discuss, read, 
or Riot Lit RPG, this is the place for you. The server's hella queer, so everyone is welcome. You can find an invite link in the description below this episode.